Welcome to Season 2 of the Precision Medicine Podcast, sponsored by Trapello. This is the podcast where experts come to discuss the problems oncologists, reference labs, and payers face as precision medicine grows and consider solutions for advancing the quality of patient-centered cancer care. Be sure to subscribe at precisionmedicinepodcast.com to get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Precision Medicine Podcast. I'm Jerome Madison, and today we have Robin Toft, author and CEO of the Toft Group, an executive firm with an extensive history of placing executives and board members in the life science industry. And she recently published a book called we can. And she was gracious enough to come talk to us and hear her thoughts on the industry and perspective on women executives in the life science industry. Robin, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. It's my extreme pleasure to be here, Jerome. So before you built a firm that places executives, you were actually an executive yourself leading companies and building people. Tell us about your career journey and what inspired you to write your book, We Can. I feel very fortunate that I finally found my dream job, but it takes courage, believing in yourself, and never settling until you are leveraging all your gifts and loving your everyday occupation. I really believe that um, everyone deserves to work in their ideal career. So I'd like to say that my career had four chapters. And the first chapter was about 10 years working as a medical technologist in a laboratory setting while entirely raising my hand the entire time saying I needed to be in sales because I should be talking about it, not doing it. I finally got my chance. I had to walk across the street to the competition and I spent the next 10 years top of the chart sales gal. Um, So I spent in total 20 years in industry. I was a senior vice president at a big multinational Fortune 500 company, pharmaceutical company. And um, I actually had an incident where I ended up in the ER with stage two colon cancer at the age of 45. And it shocked me uh, because I had spent my entire life, you know, promoting technologies that essentially made the industry better. So I stepped away from that. And I intentionally at that moment in time said, now I'm going to do what I love. I'm going to marry what I'm good at with what I love. And I'm going to change the world. And so, you know, that was the career defining moment. So I started an executive search firm while I was still, you know, a chemo and lying in my neck trying to, you know, recover. Totally but I had ab- yeah, absolute confidence that I would build a search firm that was very meaningful, very different. So for the last 10 years, I've been doing that. And I actually just transitioned the company to ZRG Partners. So every entrepreneur's dream, build and sell a company. Yes. <laughs> wow. So I read a, a review of your book and and how you just stated your journey. Uh, kind of reflects that. I read a review of the book that said you have zero tolerance for negative thoughts. I mean, my goodness, starting a company um, on while taking chemo uh, that is as gutsy as it gets. You know, it was fascinating because that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. Retrospectively, I think a lot of cancer survivors say that. But the next year, my house burned down with everything in it, which was actually quite fascinating because by that time, I knew it wasn't about that. Mm. It was about relationships. And when you know about executive search, it's a relationship business. You had asked me why I, why I wrote We Can the book. I really want to advance everyone along their career journey as fast as we possibly can because there is a talent crisis 
for the next five, 10 years in our industries. And in fact, in all industries, because baby boomers have retired, we've done unprecedented investment and uh, everybody needs to rise up, men, women alike. Men will read the book and say, this is not just for women. And I'll say, well, of course not. These career advancement um, tips work for everyone, but men uh, having been in our industry longer are typically a bit better at them. So interesting, you mentioned the term talent crisis. We recently interviewed uh, Barbara Fortini, PhD from the KGI, Keck Graduate Institute, where they are developing the next generation of leaders to lead these life science companies. Because in over the last you know, 20 years, the we've been building the plane as it's flying, right? And you recruiting and then placing talent for these startup companies and these organizations. What have you seen uh, in terms of the skills or the experience that has proven to be successful for the talent that you place? Leadership skills are paramount. And um, I think that that's what everyone's seeking in the end. I think the most important thing for employers to realize and recognize is that the talent you have might already be in your organization. And the mm-hmm. best way to get innovation, financial performance, uh, diversity at the top, which enhances both of those things, is to escalate the people you have. So leadership development training is seriously important. Um, the number one qualifier when you're interviewing from the outside is both fortunately and unfortunately confidence, the way you, um, the way you present. Uh, in my book, I talk about three key strengths of um, leaders, confidence, competence, which I define as creating value and asking for opportunity along the way and actually promoting yourself. And the last one is connections. So all three of those things internally and externally to companies are really, really important for each individual to develop in themselves. Mm -hmm. You have long been a champion for women and diverse candidates um, seeking uh, opportunities to progress in their career. In 2018, the state of California was the first state to require that publicly traded companies must have at least one woman uh, on its board of directors. In fact, Catalyst.org reports that only 30 of the 500 CEOs of companies that comprise the S&P 500 have women CEOs. It's around 6%. You know, from your perspective, why is it important to have women in the C-suite and on boards, particularly in this new burgeoning industry of the life sciences, which is really growing fast? I feel incredibly passionate about this because I want to get these products to market. So the number one reason that I do everything that I do is to accelerate products to market. You heard my why. Um, The way to accelerate products to market is to recognize and appreciate that 52% of the bottom of our life science companies are all our women. And that's how we're represented in the population. We're graduating universities with PhDs and MDs, but we're having a really hard time escalating through the ranks. Um, Diversity simply makes sense. And people say, why is this all about women for you? I say, it's not. It's about um, innovation, Mm -hmm. right? It's, It's absolutely about innovation, financial performance, attracting and retaining the future generations of employees and voice of customer, those four things 
So diversity to me simply makes sense. And any CEO who doesn't believe in diversity or hold it as a core value in the center is not going to be competitive in the future. So I spend a lot of my time educating employers about the importance of diversity around the boardroom table, diversity around the um, executive table, and the importance of lifting all their employees up. I think it's the first time since the Industrial Revolution that we'd had to worry about developing people as we do today. And again, employers don't need to respond and react, but if they don't, they won't have enough candidate, enough people working for them. It's really that dire. Wow. We see a number of women ascending into leadership roles in the C-suite. In fact, I believe the CEO and leader of Foundation Medicine is now a woman. And also we have women who are stepping out to create their own companies in the space and going the entrepreneurial route. Hannah Mamushka at Alpha 10 is doing a tremendous service for the entire diagnostic industries by helping payers better understand the value of diagnostics. And we've also had Christine Ashcraft from Uscript uh, as a guest on the podcast as well. We Can, your book, talks to women about developing characteristics that they're not wired for. Um, can you share more about that? I don't want to overgeneralize because there are some women who are quite good at some of these things. For instance, I say that I was born with the confidence gene. But in truth, you can actually develop these through practice and learning and really practical applications. So that's really what I wanted to share in the book. So if we start with confidence, confidence is the true differentiator between who escalates and and who doesn't even play. And you have to play to win, of course. So the hard truth is that men and women show up very differently upon interview. I've interviewed thousands of executives And women in general typically lack confidence, often don't participate in the searches, are the first to tell us, even if they take the call, why they're not qualified. They're actually, in fact, pointing out their career deficiencies and limitations as compared to oftentimes when we speak with men, they're overconfident. They apply if they have only 50% of the qualifications met, while women need 100% met or they're not even going to play. If you think about that for a minute, there is no perfect candidate. Um, And they're telling us why they're qualified, and they're naturally overriding any gaps in career history. They know exactly how to field the questions. So if one prepares as an executive female uh, interviewee uh, or someone trying to propose their next career progression, Um, you can actually do a lot better at this. We actually have uh, on my team a transition coach that helps people uh, practice. You can record your interviews and you can figure out how you're coming across. So confidence is paramount. The second thing is um, creating value and asking for opportunity. Again, I define that as competence. So you can be very wildly good at your job. You can be running circles around everyone every day, which I see in a lot of women. But, but not slowing down enough to package that in a way that shows the value you have created for your employer. It is your job to create value for your employer, period. And I think that's lost on a lot of um, younger employees. So, you know, if you realize that your entire way that you communicate to your boss and your superior should be, I see the, the objectives you have for the year 
and I know how I can add more value to that. And let me tell you what I've done so far and why I think I could add more value to you and really help you meet your, your needs and expectations. So not knowing what your boss is charged with and not defining yourself in terms of how much value you could add is a really bad strategy. So learning how to and again, men are historically much better at this than women. When I look at their resumes, they're really uh, characterizing everything in terms of accomplishments. You know, how much, how much value they've created, whether it be sales, teams they've built, um, organizations they've changed in a quantifiable way. Uh, the EBITDA, the profitability of what they're up to, you know, those are the things that should be the only thing appearing on your resume and in your social media posts is value creation. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is connections. I mean, we cannot overstate the value of connections. And um, this whole um, revolution that has happened with women on boards and everybody's behavior changing when it got legislated. And by George, I wish it didn't have to be legislated. But what happened was when it's been dictated that you need to have women on your boards, uh, men looked around them and said, we don't know these executive women. Uh, the fastest, easiest, cheapest way to do board work is to hire through our network. And if you're not in someone's network, then shame on you. Um, again, there are a lot of women who are natural born networkers who actually spend the time, go out there and build these relationships. But if you are, for instance, aspiring to an executive level role or a board role, you should be telling everyone around you that that's what, what your next role will be. And you should be actively reaching out to executive search firms who are part of your network to include them in the conversation and say, I'm very happy now, but when I do make a change, I want you to have my information on file. There is no risk at all if you're calling professionalized executive retained search firms to make sure they're always updated on you. And men are really actively doing that. And there are very few women who see us as part of the network. Yeah. You're speaking to something. There was a, a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, and it was titled, Where Are the Women CEOs? Mm-hmm. You may be familiar with that. Um, but but I think, to me, what really spoke to me in that article, it's not about who's at the top. It's about the roles that feed into the CEO job that are dominated by men. And I think some of the commentary was the culture in some some organizations is they see men always loud strong to your the confidence gene but many times wrong <laughs> you know they're loud strong and wrong so how do you you see yourself fitting in to that culture what's the best way to develop a bench of diverse women and ethnically diverse talent um, in different corporations so i'm seeing a lot of very effective organizations because this is becoming very very important the top thing is to have the ceo Uh, issue some sort of statement that says when given a choice we choose diversity because it simply makes sense and so the things that uh, one needs to do there's there's the hiring and developing from the inside which again should be our primary focus and the hiring from the outside Uh, within an organization um, we should have mentorship programs formalized mentorship programs with men mentoring women. Um, I can't tell you how frequently I see women wanting only, you know, really professionalized female role models and mentors and coaches. And that couldn't be further from the truth. If you think about the fact that 95% of the people at the top are male, these people will help lift you up. So that's critically important. You need to include men in the conversation. This is an issue of if companies don't change, nothing will change. Mm -hmm. But again, the 
the pressure from outside is um, obviously pretty significant. Um, executive women's organizations within the company are important, but again, bring men to the to the conversation. I get to ask to speak into a lot of companies, uh, for instance, that have you know high percentages of engineers, and and they want to you know make sure that the women are having um, good. thought partners around the table and and we really need to include them. Um, And I would say definitely put in place development programs. And if they have to emphasize women, there are, I'm on lead San Diego, the chairman of the board of that. And we actually have female development programs there. Um, Anywhere that you can leverage uh, talent development right now is critically important to be thinking about. Yeah. Robin Toth author of the book, we can CEO of the Toth group. Now tell them, where they can go pick up the book if they're listening and they want to get a copy. Oh, great. So it'll be the best investment you ever make. It's on uh, Amazon and Audibles. I read it myself. Uh, We also have a a website for wecan.works that you might want to register to to keep current on everything that we're up to. We're working on a lot of uh, future development programs. And of course, my company is thetoughgroup.com. And any social media, are you on Twitter, Instagram? I don't know how many platforms there are now, but <laughs> where can Good people question. get in touch with you if they want to request you to be a speaker or connect with you? I am all about LinkedIn, and my speaking website is robintoft.com. Great. We appreciate you for being a guest on the show. And I did mention at the end that, that you're CEO of the Toft Group, but like you said, you, you created, built, and then sold. So what's next for you? My next 10 years is about advancing and developing women so that we can get everything done. And for me, you know, there's so much work to be done, unfortunately. I I just um, ask, as much as I have We Can as a company, we're developing We Care as an associated nonprofit to really get um, all of the executive men participating. I know these men have women, daughters, women in their lives that are important and they really want to lift them up. So, you know, for all those men, stand by. We Care is on its way. Incredible work, Robin. Thank Thank you for being a guest on the Precision Medicine Podcast. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Precision Medicine Podcast, sponsored by Trapello. Trapello is the first clinical decision support tool to align the interests of oncologists, labs, and payers to give patients the best chance at beating cancer. To learn more, visit gettrapello.com. To subscribe to the podcast or download transcripts of any episode, visit precisionmedicinepodcast.com. We invite you to join the conversation on social media. You can find us on Twitter at PMP by Trapello or on LinkedIn at the Intervention Insights company page. If you know someone who would enjoy the Precision Medicine Podcast, please share it. They'll thank you, and so will we. We hope you'll tune in for the next episode. Mm -hmm.